0: Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne, and here we unpack how the church, as the body of Christ and institution, can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, episode of M'singi Talks podcast. This is the second one of the year, and I, I think I can officially stop saying Happy New Year, but I hope that you're well. Msingi Talks podcast is a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust, and we hope to have conversations that make connections between faith, justice, activism, and advocacy. If this podcast has inspired you, please pass it on to someone else, and uh, yeah, and share the good news and the goodness. I'm very honoured today to host um, Reverend Useni Sibanda, uh, a friend. Uh, a pastor, a leader in Zimbabwe, and also as I had told you before, I was in Zimbabwe courtesy of the Inspired Individuals Program and he's a fellow inspired individuals. And I was honored to stay with his family, uh, meet with some of his colleagues. And learn about their work, and I was very inspired by what they are doing. And today we'll be talking about the role of the church in community building, and what his experience has been, and what he has done, and all that. So, karibu sana Oh
2: yes, karibu. Uh, uh, good day to you. Thanks for having me on your program. This is very lovely. As thanks and. Uh, we really appreciate the time we came to Zimbabwe. We had quite a lovely time together.
0: Thank
1: you, and thank you for taking care of me so much. I think I, oh, I yeah. to go back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we enjoyed ourselves. Yeah.
1: Yes, thank you. So um, maybe today, as we had said, we'll be talking about you. We'll be talking about um, our your work at ZCC. Uh so Rebuseni, please. Um, it's as uh, this uh, has become a tradition in this podcast, but uh, maybe you could introduce uh, yourself to us and let me know what is one thing uh, that brings you deep joy.
2: Well, thank you so much. Uh, like what Carol has said, I'm Rev Useni, uh, director for Zimbabwe Christian Alliance. We a network of church leaders, churches, and Christians who are like-minded and concerned about issues of social justice and peace building, um, how the church can be salt and light um, in a context where people can have, exercise their rights, their God-given rights and be part of building transformative communities. So that's who we are and that's my passion is on justice um, is just to see, you know, people being treated fairly, people being able to exercise their God-given rights uh, and in situations and contexts where they can't is assisting them to be able to do that. So that's really my big passion. And um, one of the things that I've grown up with is then how do I, become an activist in a Christian sense, so a Christian activist, if you want to use that word. And Mm. that's, that's really my passion, yeah. All
1: right, so what brings you joy?
2: What really brings me joy now is seeing people being able to fulfill their destiny, you know, and that's for me as well. When I'm able to do what I feel God has called me to do, and I'm able to spend my time, hours on that, I'm, I'm so joyful. And of course, having time with my family, that's, that's, that's another important aspect, yeah.
1: All right, thank you. Um, thank you for introducing us to you. Um, what brings you sorrow?
2: I think for me, the biggest regrets that are also things that bring me sorrow is when, um, when justice is denied, when there's no fairness, um you know when evil times i really feel sad about that and uh, that's the context in which most of our african people live in mm. where there's no justice for them mm-hmm. and where they have no freedom to exercise creativity or choices mm. so it's 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 something we can fight for
1: mm. yeah Thank you. And I think that's why this space, uh, ZCA's work, Msinghi's work, uh, and uh, all institutions that we are networked with, who are working very hard in fighting for justice, because I think we share in that sorrow, but then it's a sorrow that leads us to work. So maybe you can... I, I. I kept telling you that I feel very envious of the work that uh, ZCA is doing. You know, Chris, there are righteous envy <laughs> because of the, of the amount of the work, of the way I saw the church in Zimbabwe with ZDD and ZCA just really come together mm-hmm. and be intentionally involved in uh, in politics in peace building in justice we'll get to that but i would like to maybe hear a little bit about your journey um why not everyone is passionate about justice not everyone is passionate about um about the church being involved in sort justice You would you would be running an alliance that is not transformative with uh, with peace and justice. But why is justice important to you, and what is the journey that has brought you here?
2: Well, for me, I, you know, I I I have um, I grew up Catholic, so we there's a lot of social teaching that we grew up exposed to. Um, and I also grew up in a context of just post-independent Zimbabwe. So I wouldn't say I really experienced, I I experienced the structural injustice that was there, you know, left by, um, the minority white community. So I, I couldn't access some of the things that I needed to access just on the basis of being a black person. Um, and so that meant that, uh the kind of schools initially that i went to uh by, you know it just were disadvantaged in terms of resources in terms of materials so you could see that and uh, mm-hmm. when you interacted because i was within the catholic church
0: mm-hmm. and will
2: we'll interact with with the white community then through the church structures and you could see the difference between us and them mm-hmm. but also i grew up in the second city of zimbabwe Plowayu. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the majority is in Debele, in Debele speaking uh, people. And this mm-hmm. is the second largest tribe in Zimbabwe. And so obviously there are post-independence challenges and the marginalization of this province. So also that's something that really went deep into my life because I could, I experienced that, it was an experience where like if you go to Arare, you could see the difference. If you're in Ula, you can see the difference. So it became a struggle. But then I, I, I struggled initially, you know, when I moved from the Catholic Church to more to the evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. uh The struggle then was that there was no, the theology didn't include speaking about my current situation. In fact, it was more dealing with heaven mm-hmm. and uh, going to heaven. And I, you know, it didn't resonate with me until I, You know, I became a journalist. And then when I was doing my journalism, that's when I was even more exposed to issues of injustice, to stories of injustice, I'll report on that. And um, the church was not doing anything at all about it. So when I joined the Evangelical Fellowship of Zimbabwe, they asked me to run the media department. And then eventually from the media department, I started the social concerns department. But at that time, the evangelical theology, I'm talking of 19, late 1980s and 90s, they, they, you know, they really didn't believe it, that it's necessary to do anything more than evangelize. Mm. That evangelism, church planting was, which was good, main thing. But then, when we started to deal with social issues, deliver, you know, local government delivery issues, is there water? Why is there no water? People were struggling with that. And the integral theology and missions at that time was just starting. I remember Micah Challenge, it just started. So all those things shaped how I think and how I thought about interaction. The ordinary pastor's default mode would just be to deal with their own local congregation issues, visit the sick, you know, and uh, in the hospital, pray for them, and that's it. But uh, dealing with why hospitals could not provide the services that poor people need, we're not thinking about that. So it's just more going to during the visiting hours, pray for someone and you leave. But that person is in a dilapidated hospital. There are no drugs. There is no medicine. uh, That's in it. Your default setting is you don't worry about that. But Mm -hmm. then for me, the default setting can let me worry about that. So mm. eventually, I went overseas, came back. Now, overseas, I went to an important college that really changed my life. I'll say it big time. It was called Oxford Center for Mission Studies. Mm. And uh, that's where I was exposed to missions and transformation. But missions now has no longer just been defined as a geographical place where I have to go into missions. But we began to look at spaces where we can do missions. Mm. And so media became a space for missions. Uh, Economics became a space for missions. Uh, You know, governance, politics, space for missions. Where would the kingdom of God come and manifest? How do we, when we say, Thy kingdom come, can Mm. we say, Thy kingdom come in politics? Mm. Can we say, Thy kingdom come in media? And so it began to, it helped me shape my thinking and Mm -hmm. changed my mind in terms of thinking that I must travel as a missionary to a remote place in Africa and be preaching to a certain tribe. Mm -hmm. But I began to say, okay, where is the world now? In fact, if you think about it right now, uh, during COVID showed us that where is the world? The world is in the, for instance, the digital space, Mm. so how do we reach out to people with the message of the kingdom in that space Um, so really that's my passion that's what changed me and I a lot of my journalism experience and practice and uh, way of doing things helped me to easily adapt more than other pastors would so it provided me with agility and a sense of being more flexible and, and understanding missions. But like I said, the Oxford Center for Mission Studies, they really helped me shape my theology and thinking around that. Okay.
1: Um, And this really gels in, thank you for that history because it gels in into the conversation that we are having today is we are really trying to see, to explore the how churches can build alliances and how churches can be involved in community building but so how does an a local normal pastor who has no experiences of going to oxford going to uh, a school somewhere how do they and for them they really are doing their best when they go to hospitals every every day from 1 to 2 pm to pray for the sick then, to make the transition, the transition to fighting for justice for that situation, how do pastors make that transition? What have you seen has worked to help pastors make that transition?
2: I think I think what is key is our theology. You know, um, like I said, you know, our theological colleges, seminaries. They put pastors in a default setting that actually says to them, you know, my job is to baptize at birth, you know, bury someone, visit, seek in a hospital, and that's it. Uh, do, do my communion service on Sunday uh, or Saturday, you know. So I think there needs to be a reteaching, there needs to be a re understanding. A, a deeper reflections on our theology and our understanding of what the Bible says. We need to dig deep into Romans 13, you know, what does what was Paul, into Paul's theology and thinking, about what was Paul saying? Uh, and revisit Jesus' says, thoughts as well from the lenses of justice. Uh, I think it's Jimmy Wallace who did an experience when he was in an experiment when he was in theology in a theological college where they cut out every verse that had to do with justice. Yes. And, and the Bible was in threads literally. Mm.
1: Uh,
2: and um, so which means that...
1: There, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that speak
2: about justice. Yeah, you see that. So it means without reflection on justice and understanding it, then our theology is heavily flawed. Mm-hmm. It's full of holes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for me, I say, I always ask pastor what, what are we teaching? If we evaluate ourselves throughout the year, what have we taught the people in terms of percentages? Do mm-hmm. we have any messages on justice? Uh, do we have any messages that speak on the social conditions of the people that we are pastoring? Um, you know, and the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, He leads me to green pastures. So it means, and the Lord calls us shepherds and the people sheep. It means we need to know the condition of our sheep. Mm. So knowing the condition of your sheep is not just preaching to them about going to heaven, but it's dealing with deep-seated issues of structural injustice, of poverty, of injustice, of gender violence, um, of discrimination and you know all those things they need to be dealt with and, and, and engaged with and so our theology or teaching cannot be holistic if it is living out those critical components so it's 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 flawed then it means we are not teaching them the whole counsel of God Mm. You know the whole counsel of God means we have to know the mind of God mm. about the holistic person. Uh, if you read First John, First John says, "I beloved, I wish you that you could prosper in body, soul, and spirit." So looking at the holistic person, mm. um, God's ministry or God's work, when God first created the first human being, Adam, the Bible says He created Adam in His image. We see him being placed in the Garden of Eden.
1: Mm.
2: You know, his production, he's exposed to production, he's exposed to economic uh, issues, he's exposed to things that can feed him. And God says to him, you know, dominate. He's exposed to rulership, domination. And um, God gives him the freedom. He's got freedom. He says, no, you work within this context, uh, that's all yours. So he's given mm-hmm. freedom to exercise his intellect. Name all the animals. He can exercise his intellect, academic knowledge. Um, he can do everything that needs to be done. You know. So we, when we talk of of that, we are talking of we are talking of um, God giving us the freedom to be free. Uh, even the Bible says. You know, we're we're given God-given rights, the right to life, the right to clean water, the right to food, the right to, you know, to be able to exercise our our minds because we are like God. But now, if all those rights are are constrained, then it's a problem. So in other words, our pastors need to understand God's mind, God's Mm -hmm. theology. If you look at the Old Testament, the prophets they were really talking about social justice issues, you know, yeah. take care of the widow, the orphans, and God, even God saying, if you op- take care of the foreigner, God saying, if you violate the rights of these people, I personally yeah. will come down to protect them. So you can see that God's heart and God's concern. Mm.
1: And, and and I like that, especially when you're talking about um, that context, the biblical um would you say the biblical context of is yes. that it is that it's a scriptural conversation, but also, you know, when we're talking, I wanted to share that M'singi comes from Psalms 89, 11, justice and righteousness mm-hmm. is the foundation of God's throne. And so if, if, if in our kingdom, if in God's uh, throne in God's rulership, it is not about justice as much as it is about righteousness, then we are, we are working in a, flawed, uh, in a flawed system. And it is important uh, also to mention uh, theological education, but what about the pastors, the local pastors you and I work with who have not had a chance to have uh, theological education? What do we do with them? or how do you? I think
2: there's, thanks for that, yes. I think there's a place for theological college and education and all that. But um, most of the pastors we work with have had practical experiences of injustice, practical experiences of structural disadvantage uh, that comes to the people that they are pastoring. Uh, The first-hand experience of poverty and people suffering because of misgovernance and so forth so i think what has been there is for them to join that to their understanding of god
1: mm-hmm. yes
2: say how do i bring this context mm-hmm. to my own understanding of who god is and how what god expects me to do how do i work out my faith and help other people to work out their faith mm-hmm. in a context of authoritarianism, dictatorship, poverty, injustice, uh, abuses, sexual abuse, gender abuse. How do I help my people to think about how to work out our faith in this context? And I think, in a way, they've got a practical theology. They're practicing it within that context. So I think for me, it has been training them, helping them to understand what God, how they can work out their faith. Mm. And um, um, because they're already experiencing it, and yeah. they are in the front line, so it's it's been something to help them bring them to that realization yeah. that God expects us to do something, but that also the Lord has given us tools in the Bible that can help us deal with that.
0: Singly is a Swahili word meaning foundation. Our name and mandate comes from Psalms eighty-nine, fourteen. We host engaging conversations on faith, social justice, and advocacy across all our social media platforms. We also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website, www.misingitrust.org, follow us on all our social media handles at or email us on info
1: I think I, I remember having a conversation with a pastor who works in, who shepherds a, a congregation in one of the informal settlements. And I asked him, well, why, why is it that you're not uh, involved? Uh, like when, when, when there's a young man who's killed extrajudicially why is it that you're not involved? And he said uh, to me something that really gave me pause. He said, Carol, if I start defending that man, they will come for me because I live in that neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. so you see there is the fear because you're already in that context. But also I realized that there's no network, there's no social support for a pastor who yeah. knows that what is going on is bad, but then he's scared because this is home for him. This is day-to-day lives, yeah. So, yeah. so that, those I are think, the kind of conversations that yeah. will me to do more and to do better.
2: Yes, Carol, I think you bring me to this important point. The reason why we formed Christian Alliance was exactly for that is because the whole concept was like-minded and a, a lot of pastors on the front line felt isolated without mm-hmm. support. So the whole idea of Christian Alliance was then to provide a network for them, like-minded people, a support system. Mm-hmm. So I remember in the early stages, we are different well up to now, we work for instance with Zimbabwe lawyers for human rights we work with uh, you know people who can provide psychosocial support for the pastors we train them uh you know on security uh we train them on advocacy itself Mm. so that you are not just getting emotional and angry but with no action so give them how do you do biblical advocacy that can produce results so it's more of equipping them helping them to understand all that
1: Mm-hmm. and so we are actually going right in into my next uh, our next conversation but it's just something uh, a brief introduction into zimbabwean christian alliance and what would you say has been i know you've done so much but what what would you say are like has been the impact of zca uh in the society and in the in the country as a whole
2: well, first of all, I think it has been raising this awareness or this understanding that uh, our God is a God of righteousness, justice, fairness, and uh, that that is his heart. And that pure religion is, you know, dealing with this of doing something about this. That we are not, as a church, we are not just there helplessly, you know, saying we are sorry, just feeding offense, you know, and so forth, but that we can do something to change those situations. And so that transformative element of how, the how element, you know, um, is what has been a big question of Christian Alliance, I think, the understanding of the church. How do you do advocacy, prompting the church? to rethink on its prophetic biblical mandate of speaking on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves, on doing something about what those people cannot do for themselves. And this has meant helping the church to engage effectively with governing structures, whether it's national, it's local, um, you know, like in the Zimbabwean context, contributing to the constitution, a new constitution for the states, mm. are built in blocks of a nation um, and also campaigns on specific issues. One of the big successful campaigns that we had was called Save Zimbabwe campaign, like Save Kenya campaign, called Save Zimbabwe campaign, powerful campaign in 2008 uh, that changed the whole landscape on elections mm. uh, and actually led to Uh, uh, Robert M. at that time to literally lose the election because of Mm -hmm. the campaigns that were done, Uh, and because of issues of injustice. But also right now we work with almost a thousand pastors throughout Mm -hmm. the whole country. And so this is a thousand pastors who are doing active advocacy work within their own context, whether it's uh, local service delivery by local authorities, uh, there is no water. Our sewage is not working. Um, our clinics are down. They are doing it at the locally. For me, that's my greatest joy, part of my other great. To see these pastors being able to do this work beyond us, beyond the founding people, people founded Christian Alliance. So we have so many of these pastors now that are busy, active, engaged uh, with their local authorities attending budgets of the local authorities, planning meetings for local authorities. So they are there, heavily involved, embedded now in changing the situation, bringing the kingdom of God into that context. So that's quite uh, an exciting thing and uh, giving birth to other structures down the ground up to village level where people are doing that.
1: Yeah, I think one of the of the things that really impressed me was how pastors are intimately involved in the running of the community affairs and they don't come in with as superiors because most of the times when pastors come into community gatherings, they come in and they want to be given a special seat. But these pastors have really have really integrated in the community such that the community affairs really affect them. And so they want to advocate on on their own behalf and on behalf of the community. And that I would say is um, a result of the great work that has gone on for years and years and years of empowering the pastors in their role in their community. So, um, Rev. So, thank you for sh- sharing with us uh, about the landscape. So, your Zimbabwe Christian Alliance is an alliance, yeah. It's a uh, what does what does being an alliance mean? What does it look like? What is the importance of alliance building for peace and justice in our countries?
2: Yes, Um, alliances are important. Uh, You know, forming ourselves as Christian Alliance was very important because it meant bringing together like-minded Christians, institutions, individuals, uh, bringing together our resources so that we can be able to collaborate and have bigger impact. But also it meant that we could share those resources. It meant that uh, no one is left feeling, I'm alone, I'm fighting like a lone ranger. But we we had um, we have other people who are covering your back. We have other people who are working with you. But also being an alliance meant that we could pull to easily pull together resources, unlike individuals. So we could you know get partners to support the work and therefore benefit everyone. We could also get you know individuals bring in their strength and shade and actually amplify what they were doing. So, uh, and for us, because of our faith-based approach as well, it meant also having times of reflection Mm. where we could have some biblical reflection together and be able to think through what God would want us to do in this particular time and season. So that's about it, about being an alliance.
1: Mm. And so, um, so there is the gift in numbers, there's the gift in encouragement, there's the gift in uh, multiplying efforts. So, why aren't we doing alliances in, in Africa, Rev, and in the world?
2: Yes, well, we do, we, one of the thinking that we have now really has been to say, can we bring this idea that we have across to other people as well? That could we, you know, bring this concept of alliance in other African contexts and countries and so we're really actively thinking through that. This has been a very good model, which I think can be then uh, passed on to other people. Yeah. Yes. Okay, thanks.
1: So thank you. And so, um, as we almost winding up, I would like to for you to speak into the real dangers of the church being involved in work of justice. What are there is political interference. There is the danger of um, of kidnappings. There is the danger of being seen as being too political or too radical. What have you experienced? as ZCA um, in the work that you're doing that has been a direct
2: threat to your work
1: and to yourself?
2: Well, thank you so much. Um, It's because because of the nature of dealing with structural injustice and systems. Um, What happens is that once you start doing that, you're actually confronting these systems. You know, in the book of Colossians, Paul says that we do not fight against flesh and blood, uh, but against systems, rulers of darkness. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, in high places um, that exalt themselves above the word of God. So what happens is that when you confront these systems, yeah, like you are likely first. The church itself in general would think that we are not doing something outside the bible because some people don't believe we should be involved so you have a, a fight with the religious within the religious circles we christian alliance practice for years mm. with the church because people felt oh, you guys are too political what you are doing is politics mm. and not church." until now I'm i praise god that now people are beginning to uh, begin to understand that so that's the first fight you have from the church itself. Then the second one will be from the political spaces mm. where people want to define who is the church, what should the church be doing, its work, and how and what is the work of the church and how it should do its work. <laughs> so you see that the world tries to put you in a box. So it's not just that pastors will come out with a default setting. But the world itself, the systems, will try to put you in a box to say, now what you are doing is not on my You can't observe elections. That's not change business. Mm. You know, you can't uh, train people in advocacy and uh, be involved in a city council budget. You know, that's no longer change. But people don't understand that if you don't influence the budget mm. and only concentrate on feeding poor people, you are not actually addressing the, the root cause. Mm. So addressing the root cause meets a lot of resistance, because mm. of the understanding of who the church is and what our mission should be. So that is one that I mean, that's the second one, then the last one is also there's personal risk, personal security risk, mm. you know, some of these people, if they see that you, I can give you hundreds of stories of pastors on the front line who get framed on sexual issues uh, or some get killed so literally it becomes an endanger to yourself and your family because the system or people who people who, who feel that the church should be do shouldn't, shouldn't do what you are doing might see you as a political force or as a threat and not as a pastor practicing his theology and his mm-hmm. understanding and a pastor pastoring or shepherding a nation Mm. And then you become a, a political threat. And then they deal with you politically. So those mm. are some of the challenges.
1: As a, as a, maybe in our closing, despite all of these challenges, why do you choose to do what you do?
2: I think the main thing is our calling. We are all called to different things. Some pastors are called just to look after orphans, some are called to, you know, just plant churches only, evangelize and just plant churches. You know, some are called to worship ministry and so forth, but this is my calling. You know, my calling is really awakening the church to the issues of injustice and justice and how the church can be salt and light in this aspect, how the church can influence this mountain, of governance and politics. So that's why I thought I'm called to, to you know, like um, Joseph, uh, when his brother sold him, he found himself in a palace, helping mm. to govern. If Joseph would say, okay, now it's time for drought, bring all your grains here, it's politics. Mm. Uh, Daniel was a prime minister. Mm. He was helping to govern a nation. Mm. So that's so it's different callings that people have uh, that God has called. So this is my passion, this is my calling, and I've crazed to do this kind of work.
1: Mm. Thank you. And, uh, thank you so much, uh, Reverend for for the work that you're doing, for the impact that you're doing. Um, I still feel like for for a pastor who does not know where to start or for a community that does not know where to stand, what would, you, what, what would you tell them to do?
2: Well, I think the first thing for me is pray. You really need to pray about God. How do you want us to do this thing? So prayer is very important. It's part of our tools as Christians. Secondly, I think it's to really go into the Bible and look at context that help you to rethink about your role. Um, If you read uh, in the book of Micah, you know, um, chapter six, verse eight, you know, man, what does God require you to do? You know, to practice justice. So if you read through that, you read through the Old Testament prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, you read through Amos, um, you begin to hear the heart of God for justice. But mm. I believe a very important text is Exodus. Mm. You know, when Moses was dealing with Pharaoh and getting people to be liberated, mm. I think it provides us with uh, a good, maybe if I can use that word, liberation theology basis, mm. you know, so that you can begin to understand that God wants you to be free. The Bible yeah. says God heard the cries of the children of Israel, mm. uh, He heard their cries. What cries? Cries from oppression. Yeah, they reach God, and God heard about it, and God made a plan. Now, what's important for the ordinary pastor, or church leader, listening is that God will not come down Himself. God is always looking for a man. So, Israel, God is there to look for a David to do His work. God is looking for someone. To do the work, uh, um, he will not come down himself. So you, if you become concerned about issues of justice, it means there's something that God is saying to you, and that you must act on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other issue that's important, what's important is God is looking for you to do this with Him. So this mm-hmm. is partnership with God. This mm-hmm. is missions. When the Bible says, "Go ye." And disciple nations. So, this is part of our discipling of nations and going out. So, I just pray that God gives you strength if you are a pastor listening uh, to be able to do his work and gives you his heart and plan. And you must then be part of networks. In Kenya, we've been seeing a trust there. You link up with them, they've got networks already in place. If you are in Zimbabwe, we have Christian Alliance, we have other networks, which we want even to set up throughout Africa. That can help people to begin to think on justice so that we have someone. So become part of a network uh, of justice, of pastors working on justice. Well, God bless you so much.
1: All right. Thank you, Reverend Thank you for taking your time for teaching us. Thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, for the lovely people who really made me feel at home in Bulawayo, your family, um, your colleagues. Thank you. And for the continued work that we are going to do. And for all of us, as we end this, let's continue to do justice. Asante Nisana and see you in the next episode.
0: Thank you if you've been inspired challenged and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such remember to follow us on social media at Trust, share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast donations can be made through paypal msingikenya at gmail.com patreon at Kenya, or through mpesa Kwaherini and thank you for joining us